0: Welcome to the Jesus Culture Podcast. Great to have you with us. We actually should start calling it the Jesus Culture Leadership Podcast again because we're actually taking 12 sessions and just going through the topic of leadership where we're just unpacking different things to help you grow as a leader, what it takes to be a leader. And ultimately, we've talked about this. You'll have to go back and listen to the other ones, but we really believe that everybody's called to be a leader and leadership is about owning the influence that God has given you to make a difference. And so we're excited to jump in today Today, we've got a really incredible guest who's a regular on the podcast. I think we we lean on you quite a bit to come on. You're a regular contributor. Maybe now you're no longer a guest, but you're a contributor. And so uh, it's great to have Danny Silk with us. Danny, thanks for jumping on for a few minutes on the podcast.
1: Like I finally made it Cont- contributor, <laughs> yeah totally.
0: you go from guest to contributor to who knows what but uh and you'll you'll notice that there's uh nobody there 's no other host today. Uh, I am flying solo. we usually have Phil Manginelli and Becky Johnson. Becky Johnson is coming up at the end of her maternity leave and phil i don 't know where Phil is he 's on a plane somewhere flying back from somewhere but but we 're excited we 're actually going to be talking today uh, in just a few minutes about. Really becoming world class at two things: knowing yourself and knowing others. That if you're going to be an effective leader, means that you got to become world class in knowing yourself and knowing others. Before we jump into that topic and talk with Danny, I do want to mention that um, we have recently begun to partner with World Vision. And so across the podcast network for Jesus Culture, Authentic You, Man Camp, Pastors Podcast, Sermon of the Week, and Jesus Culture Podcast, we're partnering with World Vision and just really excited to do that. We at Jesus Culture believe deeply in the concept of taking care of the poor of the earth and just really engaging those that are... In uh, less fortunate situations around the world, and World Vision is doing an incredible job at coming into communities uh, through sponsorship and uh, taking care of you know medical needs and uh, you know all the things medical needs and food and education things like that. So we're excited. They've got a program called Chosen, which I'm a part of. In fact, uh, I I got a a child from Rwanda chose me. It was actually pretty cool to get it in the mail. And uh, so we're part of that program. We're going to tell you more about it in in the middle of the podcast, but we do want to let you know you can check things out. Danny, it's great to have you with us. Danny, listen, here's what I want to talk about before because we've known each other for a long time now. I, I imagine it's 20 years. At least. At least 20 years. Uh, one of the most significant influences in shaping people in my life is Danny. So a lot of what you're going to hear today, when we talked about it, I'm like, well, we just got to have Danny come on because I think everything I learned was Danny on this one anyways. <laughs> but Danny recently, listen, so I'm 45 now. And um, this is officially, you know, I've officially accepted the fact that I'm a middle-aged individual. And I'm um, halfway to 90. But I want to ask this because you, so, so as a middle-aged guy now, I'm finding like, you know, I'm looking at motorcycles now and I, you know, whatever else, you know, just kind of like, it's like a different whatever. But you've taken, and, and you're older than I am, but you've taken like middle age like to another level, in my opinion, like we're all kind of like, I think i gonna get a new barbecue. I think I might get a motorcycle. <laughs> I think I'm gonna look at a boat. And you now have taken up I don't even, it's ray, It's car racing, but it's like, you'd have to describe what you're doing. Can you very quickly, for all those people out there, what is, what is some of your weekends looking like right now? How the heck did you get into that thing? And is it really actually, like, is it fun? What are you, what are you oh, doing? Oh,
1: gosh. It, for me, uh, car racing is the most fun you can have with your clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> okay. So that's, that'll just set it up there. This is endurance racing so we'll go to Sonoma Speedway or Thunder Hill in Willows and it's two days Those are Northern you know,
0: California venues
1: he's talking about. Yep, and they are epic. I mean, Sonoma is world class, you know. They have a NASCAR circuit that runs there as well, but it's road course, it's not like oval. Right. And uh, you you get a jump car, you're supposed to get a jump car and fix it up, right? And that's what gets you on the track. But then you begin to dump nothing but tons of money into (laughs) motors and transmissions and brakes and everything to get that car to go as fast as you possibly can. And each car has kind of a little uh, funny theme and ours is the Hulk. It's a Porsche 944. It's the front engine Porsche from the mid, mid eighties. And this car is built we've now had it for uh who's we
0: while. who's we because there's a team of you that go out i have a team of four how
1: long is uh, the race it's two days it's uh it's it's daylight hours of two days so it's about you know uh 15 hours 16 hours what are you doing when you're not racing like just sitting just you know you watching? <laughs> you're watching you're on the radio you're uh uh you're Well, in this case, our last last race, it was 105 on the track, (laughs) right? And then you put your fireproof suit on and your helmet, and then you get in a race car that has a motor that's only separated by a metal wall, no insulation, anything, and then you do that for 90 minutes. Do
0: you ever, while you're racing around for hours, think... This is the longest midlife crisis I've ever experienced. I
1: hope it's never over, but I'm thinking.
0: This is the the longest midlife crisis ever. Now, listen, Now, I want to know what your wife thinks about this, because if you know Sherry, Sherry's one of my best friends. I love Sherry, worked with us for years. Uh, Sherry, when you read Wild at Heart years ago, was like not a big fan. Like Sherry was not a big fan. Like you read Wild at Heart and then decided you wanted to go race motorcycles and jump out of airplanes and and Sherry was not a fan. Is she a fan of this? Well,
1: um, she she kind of just worked through it. You know, she's kind of like, (laughs) Have fun, honey. she have been married if too I, long for her to go anywhere. If, I, if, if you die, you die. You know, you know. <laughs> it's been a good ride, sweetie. I got great kids. We're fine. I go to Alaska. She says, goodbye. You know, I hope to see you again.
0: Yeah. Stuff so like that. Fun. You know. Now, let me ask this real quick. Have you actually found yourself improving? Because, listen, race car driving, which I watch F1, race car driving is, well, one, it's a young man's sport in all like these guys are like 19 20 25 you know but have you found your and there's a real skill set to it have you found yourself actually improving in the sport of racing driving
1: um well uh, yeah the more you do it the, the better you get but at the same time it is uh you know we just had the whole shutdown so that 2020 was gone what a Uh, waste i was traveling really heavy so i have about in six seven years of racing i have about nine races
0: yeah totally totally you
1: know so you got to make up for that now so they're spaced out enough to where i don't see a lot of improvement, <laughs> but you mostly still have my life. freeway time is improving. <laughs> <laughs> That's, how it works. That's amazing.
0: Uh, all right. Well, listen, guys, we're going to jump into this week's topic. Actually, before we do that, and, and I want to share World Vision clip real quick, but Danny, before we get into this um, topic, can you just kind of give some background of how you even got into the understanding people business? There's, there's, and I, I, don't just say this lightly. There's, you're probably at the top of the game that I know of. Somebody who understands people, understands how they're wired, what makes them tick, what motivates them, their fears, their all that type of stuff. How'd you get kind of? How'd you get drafted into this? Has it always just been there?
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, my, uh, my, my gift mix is, is counsel, is pastor, is, uh, you know, people. So, my, you know, I have a master's degree in social work. So I have been set up since I was a very young man to be involved in people problems. And, and, you know, you get enough of them that feel impossible. You start trying to figure out how do we solve these impossible problems? And so learning to help people understand what is going on inside and what is coming out is a game changer for people because they, they, I'm always surprised how many people have absolutely no idea what is going on inside of me. Why is it happening? And how are other people experiencing me?
0: So you got thrown in somewhat because you were, your, your gift was people and you were running into what felt like impossible situations. So some of this was just you on a journey of trying to figure out how do we solve these problems that we're running into?
1: Sure. And my own, you know, my own problem, my own marriage, my own uh, fears, my, uh, my, my predictable response to a situation would be to shut down and move away from it. I'm like, I, this is killing me. Why am I doing this over and over? And then you begin to understand, oh, it's this wiring that I have, but there's ways to put this to work.
0: I love it. All right. Well, listen, we're going to jump into that with Danny in just a moment. I did mention that we've partnered with World Vision. We want you to hear a little bit more about this program they're doing, then we'll jump back in.
2: In the world's most fragile places, devastating aftershocks of the COVID-19 crisis are pushing families deeper into poverty, putting kids at greater risk of hunger, malnutrition, violence, and neglect. Child Sponsorship is you making a decision to provide $39 a month for a child in their community in extreme poverty to provide the most basic necessities of life. But most importantly, you provide hope. It is one of the most effective ways to help the world's most vulnerable children in their communities address the impacts of this pandemic and lift themselves out of poverty for good, especially now. The reality is thousands of children are waiting to be sponsored. But what you don't know is everything is about to change. For the first time, World Vision is inviting you to empower a child through sponsorship. Yet instead of you choosing them, they choose you. Something no organization has ever done before. It doesn't matter who you are or where in the world you live, every single one of us wants to be seen, to be loved, to be chosen. Put the power to choose in a child's hands and give someone a chance to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Text podcasts to 56170 and sponsor a child now.
0: Okay, well, listen, everybody, thank you for partnering with us in World Vision. Really encourage you to check them out. Danny, here we go. Let's just jump into this right now. Um, We're gonna talk through a bunch of stuff, practical, Um, Some of it will be practical tools, but things like that. But let me just ask this real quick. Um, we have been saying in the podcast for a while that I, I really believe that everybody's called to lead. Uh, not everybody has a national level leadership calling on their life, but everybody, and this is, we, we added to John Maxwell, you would have loved this. I said that John Maxwell's definition is, of leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And I'm like, not to add to John Maxwell because there's you know, nobody better, but I would say that owning <laughs> that influence is really what leadership is. That leadership is owning the influence that you have. God has given you influence. You are influencing people. Are you owning that influence? And so I think when you begin to own the influence and you say, I'm going to, I'm going to own that concept of being a leader, it means then that you have to start growing. I, I, I think the reality is, is that I want to be an effective leader. This is actually why we started the School of Leadership. Uh, for those of you listening right now, we have a Jesus Culture School of Leadership. Danny is you know, one of the main instructors. In fact, both of us, along with Kate, are the ones that kind of put our heads together and came up with what we're doing with the Jesus Culture School of Leadership, which, by the way, uh, is open applications. You can either join in person in Sacramento, you can join in person in San Diego, or you can join online if you're unable to move here. And uh, so you can check out JesusCultureSchool.com. But our passion, your passion, my passion, Danny, is is for those that have been awakened to that concept that I want to be a leader, it means that they have to grow. They have to get equipped, they have to get trained, they have to get better and uh, deeper. That's why we started the school. That's what the school's about. You can check it out. And uh, you're very involved in that. I'm very involved in that. And so as we begin to grow, one of the things that comes up is this, is why is it so important as a leader? If you're going to be an effective leader, if you're going to be a transformational leader, if you're going to be an impactful leader, why is it so important that you know yourself? And then in turn, why is it so important that you know others?
1: Well, you can't really pick your lane if you don't know you, you know, so you will sprawl. You will try to do everything because usually the guy that taught you isn't like you. He's like him. And so you try to be like the person that you admire most, not realizing that you don't have the same design. And so uh, I think as Albert Einstein said that, everyone's a genius, but if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid, right? So that, I think, is the, the wellspring that comes out of you is, for, for starters, I have to understand where's my lane? Where do I flourish? How can I set up my time schedule, my situations, my input, so that I bring the most benefit? And then The team around me covers the areas that I don't rock at.
0: Let me ask this real quick because you work with organizations a lot. Um, This may be a blanket statement that I believe is probably true and can be a blanket statement. Organizations that break down, I find it's rarely finances. It's rarely vision. It's almost always relational. Like like organizations that are really crumbling, that that organizations that are in crisis. I, I understand there's finances and structure and all that, but almost always it's somehow the root of relationships. <laughs> like like people are not thriving and they're not connected and they're not. So so well, one would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I sure would. I, I think that was one of the big uh, COVID re- revelations for people when they couldn't meet together was that the cultures that did not have strong connections really suffered more than the ones that had a culture of relationship.
0: So you're talking about your lane, but when it comes to, and I want to get into some practicals, but when it comes to actual, like creating a healthy environment, a thriving, connected, uh, flourishing environment, why is this issue of you got to know yourself and you got to know others? Why is that important when it comes to people thriving, flourishing, <laughs> just in an environment that feels healthy? Why is that important?
1: Well, typically when we meet somebody that's very much different from us, our anxiety goes up. It, you scare me. You know, you value things different than me. You see the world different than I do. You do things different than... Than I do. You need things different than I do. One of us is wrong. One of us is evil. I wonder which one it is. It's you. Yeah, you are evil. Let me disciple you and train you to be more like me. And that is, is uh, the anxiety, the insecurity of, uh, of a leader, of a parent, of a spouse is i try to make other people like me so that i can reduce my own anxieties unless i have understanding and so you know the bible says that a man with understanding has a cool spirit i love that because it is i am not anxious when i get how we are all so different and if i can if i can conduct that like a maestro i don't need 15 tubas you know I can actually have 15 different pieces and I know how they play together in, a, in symphony. That's what a good leader captures with understanding themselves and then understanding the value that each of the other players brings.
0: Okay. So I, I, w- I want to stay for a second because you mentioned the word anxiety and uh, the studies are out there that environments that are high anxiety are low producing environments that are low anxiety or high producing. So just from a practical business standpoint, if you want to be a high producing environment, you have to have low anxiety. Um, I, I think there's a variety of things that cause anxiety in environments. I think uh, lack of clarity, you know, uh, an unclear environment, an unclear structure, who's in charge of what, where are we going, um, but also that, that connection piece relationships are something that cause anxiety for me. So I'm probably superimposing what I feel on it Um, uh, because I do feel that lack of clarity definitely causes anxiety in environments Um, uncertainty. And, you know, just kind of like, I can't find a stable. I, I don't know what I'm in charge of and what you're in charge of. What am I, you know, what are the, what are the outcomes? What are the requirements? What are the consequences? These are all things that need to be clear, but man, the relational disconnect for me at least is the one that ca- that causes the most anxiety. Do you think that that's near the top of the list as far as so In other words, if somebody comes in cuz this is something you saw this in education. When we were working in education, like they don't use the word love, which is just a massive connection word, right? And they're yep. like I'm just going to give you information. That's my job to give you information. I'm not worried about the connected environment. Do you feel that this area of connection is something that we just kind of skip over or we just have never been
1: trained in? Yeah, I think that uh, we've tried to create environments that don't recognize or don't make place for love, right? So love and fear in a war Love casts out fear. If you cast out love, all you have is anxiety. That is the fuel. That's how we get things done, is we make people afraid of this, that, or the other thing. And people who are afraid are controlling. So if you have supervisors that are afraid because of a culture of fear, they are controlling the creatives they're controlling the, the people that want freedom they're controlling the, uh, the people that want to, uh, to, to be trusted and, and valued so you are you are definitely undermining the very best of your people when a culture of anxiety is coming from the leadership
0: and at some level it's the ignoring that people have needs. <laughs> There's, you know, people have needs, and somehow when we don't talk about this issue of connection or love, connection is about how can I love better. (laughs) But it's kind of a word that's not used outside of the church. Maybe Um, I didn't love languages. Don't they have something called work languages, or like they had to change something around those lines because it just was not really like a word that's
1: used. Yeah. So, so uh, government education. Science, you know, you, you, the three super impacting, influential arenas in society can't say love.
0: Yeah. If you can get good at knowing yourself and others and helping create an environment of connection, helping create an environment where people's needs are being met, where they're thriving, where they feel seen, they feel known, they feel valued, they feel whatever all that stuff is loved, you will stand out you will stand out. Uh, I don't think that we're taught this stuff. I don't think that we uh, lean in and grow in this stuff. And so I tell our students at School of Leadership, I'm telling you when it comes to the relational aspect of leadership, if you get good at it, you will advance and stand out in whatever arena you're in because there's just a void of people. I mean, I'm, I'm with them. I, I, I'm out there in the world with them and they just don't know what to do. <laughs> how to make people feel valued, how to make people feel connected, how to make people feel like, hey, I want to work not for a paycheck.
1: Yeah. You know, there's so many options today. If you want the best people, you had better understand what they need and create an environment and experience where they get those needs met.
0: Yeah. I mean, I want to create an environment where, where people don't want to go work anywhere else. And that, and, and some of that has to do with a paycheck, obviously. You know, people have a basic need to have their lives, you know to, to, you know, to pay bills and be able to do some things in their heart. But at the end of the day, people not wanting to leave an environment, I think, is way less connected uh, to a paycheck and way more connected to, to feeling known and connected and thriving. So let me ask some practicals real quick, because we've been together for a long time, and you're the one that kind of introduced all these to me. We use a ton of different, what I would just call tools, assessments um, that we use. We're going to talk through each one of them really quickly. One is the DISC test. One is Strength Finders. One is Love Languages. One is something called the Constraint Profile. And the other one would be Enneagram. I'm going to leave Enneagram off because we're actually going to be talking to Anthony Skinner in more depth about the Enneagram. Danny, you'll love this because I actually had to do a separate episode for that because the Enneagram is like a cult or something. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking to Anthony about, help me understand why everybody that starts the Enneagram, I just feel like they just joined a cult and they want me to join their cult too. What's happening (laughs) with this? So (laughs) multi level marketing. We're going to deal with the Enneagram later. Um, Um, Danny, a couple of things. One, why are these assessments, and there's a lot of Myers-Briggs, whatever, how have you seen these assessments help? And how have you addressed the issue where many in the church, well, people don't like being boxed in. They don't like being labeled. They they don't like this replacing the Holy Spirit. Uh, One, you are somebody from, since I've known you, that said, hey, let's use these tools as we grow and learn people and Can you kind of just unpack a little bit why you actually access these tools for that, why they don't scare you, and then also kind of what you address about people feeling like they're in a box or people feeling like we just replaced
1: the Holy Spirit? I access these simply because they are somewhat objective tools to get people to interact with with something that's not a person. You know, So if I told you this is what I think of you, well, you... You go to work right away to uh, disqualify my perception because sure. I am biased. Right? Yeah, totally. Your filter's broken. Yeah, yeah. Like you, 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 you. I know lots about you too. You're like, oh. <laughs> uh, you know, we get defensive. People get defensive against tools too. You know, people get defensive against being seen, against being known. They feel vulnerable. They yeah. feel like, hey, I have a thing going on that I want you to see. That's all I want you to see. How dare you lift the curtain? Holy. So there's, you know, there's a ton of that involved with why and how we disqualify anybody's perception. People disqualify the prophetic for the same reason. Yeah. I'm afraid of being seen. I'm afraid of being known. And God doesn't talk to a man. He speaks through his word and that's it. Like, wow. So, uh, the the tools are there to create some kind of objective interface that uh, isn't isn't entirely scientific. I wouldn't say, but it is studied consistent. Uh, helpful, you know, they're helpful tools.
0: And it is interesting. There's like, um, because you take these tests or these assessments, I don't even know what they would be. Cause I, they're not even personality tests. Like we don't call them personality tests, but you take these assessments or whatever and you think, come on, man, how are you actually going to get anything? thing? And then you read the descriptions and you're like, what kind of voodoo is this that somehow, like, <laughs> like, what is going on? How would you know that that's how I respond in situations? There is kind of some common threads that go through how people are wired.
1: Yeah. If you take the DISC, for example. Can you just D-I- explain
0: the DISC real quick? I don't want to lose, but just for people, the DISC
1: stands for? A Dominant, influence, Steadfast, Conscientious. Okay. You know, so if you take the, you know, just take the desk, there's four. And I, that's why I start with the disc because I want you to remember this experience and put it to work. I don't want it to get lost yeah. in all these terms that you have no idea what they are. So here's four. Uh, you're usually at least two of them, sometimes three of them. Uh, rarely are you one, ra- ra- even more rarely are you all four, but it's predictable behavior that they're measuring. So I can put four people in the same situation and I can tell you how (laughs) each one of them is going to respond in that situation simply by their disc profile. That's what, it's, it's not your personality. It's not a box. It's knowing how you will respond and then using that understanding to interact with you and or set you up for success and to protect you from failure. Uh, what would you use uh, love languages for? Um, well, this is, you know, this is back to love casts out fear. So in making a connection, sometimes people get disconnected. One of the fastest ways to start the reconnect is to know how you hear, I care about you and our relationship. So I speak that language to help get some sort of connection back to lower the anxiety. Yeah, and this is one of those things
0: that's fascinating to me with whether you're a parent, whether you're at a workplace whatever else, whenever you're disconnected, um, you go, oh, I can make a connection. I know what your love language is. So uh, Zach Curry would be, uh, I think Zach Curry might. Zach Curry, who is the senior pastor of the church we're planting in San Diego, worked with us for years, has been a friend. But I could tell one day we were disconnected. I think he's quality time. But either way, I could tell we were in a meeting And, um, and, and he was like, Zach's a nice guy in the world, but he was a little bit short with me or something. And there was kind of, I could just tell him like, dude, there's a disconnect here. So I just called him and said, Hey dude, let's go get some lunch. And we went and sat and we chatted and we had lunch. And and immediately it it was like, Oh, there's that connection again. (laughs) There's that connection, whatever that was. And, and it's, it's just knowing Okay, you're a quality time person. And I, so much of this stuff, Danny, even with love languages is, is and it's your, it's your message of, you're not powerless. I'm a powerful individual that can create connection. And I can do that with my kids and I can do that with my spouse. And I know that CJ, my wife, is a, um, she would be a quality time, acts of service person. So, so her perfect day, is, is uh, getting up, well, first of all, getting up late, I get her a cup of coffee, we're not in a hurry, and then we go to the local nursery, um, you know, and buy some plants, and then we come back, and I'm digging holes with her and planting while she's just chatting away. Like, I know if my wife is disconnected, I am powerful to do something about that. I think that these tools also are very empowering. And, and I think that's across the board, whether that's a friend, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a, uh, you know, a spouse, whether, whoever else it is. It, it, so DISC is the one he talked about and DISC is just four behavior types. Is
1: that how you would describe that? Predictable behaviors. D's want to win and I's and want to have fun And S's want to get along with everybody, and C's need to be right. I mean, that's just a a quick way to boil down. Yeah. Okay, you're going to fall into some combination of those.
0: Yep. And you could be a I D D I S C I S, and then um, and then love languages. So love languages, uh, which most of you would be aware of, but uh, words of affirmation, touch, acts of service, gifts, and quality time. And um, and then the other one, strength finders, which is 32 is that right? 34. 34. Thirty four. Uh, we actually joked that there should be 35 because I think opinionation should be a strength because I have it. I have an opinion on everything.
1: That's because you're number one competition, right? Yeah, it is number one competition
0: and second. <laughs> I think right underneath that is command. So, um, so so, this one, Strength Finder, 34 strengths, and uh, there's kind of a top five and a top 10 that you can kind of go for. You can actually get all of them if you want, but you can go look at all this stuff. Let me talk to you about Strength Finders real quick and just ask a question about this. Um, one, how, how do you find Strength Finders helping
1: uh, it's, it's so encouraging to find out that you're good at something, right? Even if it's learning, even if it's thinking, you know, people are so often, you know, if we, if we judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, we're back to that again, it's we compare ourselves, our weaknesses to other people's strengths. And so we always lose those competitions. And and then I project onto other people from my strength, meaning that I'm really good at this, so should you. And it's not true. We're all super unique. And one of the stats that Gallup throws out there is that uh, to find someone who has the same top 10 strengths as you is one in 477 trillion. Oh,
0: my gosh. Are you serious?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this is how unique we are in that we, we don't share the same strengths, but I have to understand that about you. And then I have to understand that about me. Like I rock at this because it's in my top five.
0: That's amazing.
1: Where's Yours. And the other thing that people miss is, yeah, you, you know, your, your top 10, uh, or at least your top five, know your top five, but also know your bottom five. Because you need to know what you are the most vulnerable in, and be sure when you're stacking a team that you get a bunch of that and put it at the top of whoever you know you empower, because those people will help cover your weaknesses.
0: Okay, I want to ask this because my wife and I are so drastically different, <clears throat> so to, to give you a little insight into my internal world for all those listening. I am a very encouraging person. Like I'm a words of affirmation guy. I I, I love to receive encouragement. I love to receive words of affirmation. I love to give encouragement. But I also find that I'm in meetings. I'm a critical guy and I have a need to achieve. So it happens for me and I can suck the life out of a room sometimes if I'm not careful. But if there's a hundred things in a room and 98 of them are right, but two are wrong, I see the two that are wrong. And I remember asking one time a, a friend of ours, Lyle, and I just said, well, well, how do I change that? He goes, well, I don't actually want you to change that. We need people that see the two things that are wrong. You just need to be aware of the behaviors around that. So you're not leading with those two things. You're not sucking the life out of the room in the critical. But here's what I want to get to. I have to tell my team sometimes, Our team, I just said, listen, guys, I'm an encouraging guy. When we're in this meeting, I am actually wanting to talk about these two things that are wrong because those two things are stopping us from getting where we're supposed to go. (laughs) Like Like I want to achieve something. Those 98 that are good, I love it. Let's encourage each other. But these two are stopping us. So here's what I find. My wife, though, like she loves strength finders does not like, the which we'll talk about the constraint profile, constraint profile, the one that's talking about her weakness. You know, where I don't mind it, I'm in a meeting with you, and I'm like, Danny, great, I love it. Tell me what I need to fix. What's your advice for people who maybe just want to live in the strength finders, you know, just wants to live in the, here's what I'm really good at, but... And I'm not calling out my wife right now. I'm just saying it's her personality. It definitely is a lot more deflating for her to hear about what she's not good at. It's just deflating for her. Like, it's not fun to hear that. I don't know if it's fun for me, but that need to achieve is willing to get over that because I want to get somewhere. And if that thing is stopping me, then let's go attack that thing. What's your advice to people that would be more like my wife that when they're getting into this type of stuff, you are kind of addressing not just here's everything you're good at, but even on the Enneagram, on the disc, there's the, there's the unhealthy rough side of it.
2: Yeah. What's yeah. your advice
0: I- to people as they wade into this stuff and kind of have to encounter, if, come face to face with how people are encountering them, why things don't get done, why they keep getting tripped up?
1: I think you have to have a value for growth and a value for feedback. If this is going to change, because some people are, you know, they're very fragile in feedback because they it quickly goes to disqualification. I need to be punished, shame, some something. So there's that, and maybe that's just a healing place, or that's a a growth place, whatever it is. And the same is true on the other end, which is I want to know all the problems I have. I want to fix all of them. And I never fix them because there's just too many. I talk about yeah, it. Right. I, right. I I have a thousand action plans. None <laughs> of them got completed because I kept seeing all the other ones that I needed yeah. to get to. So I never, I never really grew. I just talked about growing. Yeah. So i i I think though that strength finders really works for some people because maybe their their life was uh yeah it, it was it was more about somebody being critical of them. yeah and sure like, oh my gosh i i I have strengths this is awesome tell me again, yeah, and I think that this generation grew up feeling kind of deceived by the adults in their life by giving them participation trophies. And so Enneagram comes along and Enneagram's kind of weakness finder, you know, yep. so it's kind of <laughs> 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 the cult oh, of Enneagram. Of of well,
0: constraint profile is too, which will, you know, constraint profile. Maybe we could talk about that and we'll kind of give you where to get all this stuff. But the constraint profile is coming from a guy named Flip Flippin who wrote a book called The Flip Side, who was a psychologist uh, or a psychiatrist, it, uh, was working with uh, kids, teenagers, and uh, kind of came up with this constraint profile from some other stuff. But the constraint profile is what? How would you explain that? And this one's a little bit more complicated because it, yeah. you got to be connected. It costs money, all that type of stuff. There's a book you can read, which we'll tell you about. But tell me about the constraint profile and why it's helpful.
1: It, it has 17 areas that measure... Uh, you against top performing leaders, and so the the leaders in the world that have ever taken this, and they're they're like the top of the NFL, the top of the U.S. military, the top of uh, NF, uh, uh, CEOs. Yeah. You know, it's it's, and so they they have a gradient area that top performing executives hit right in here, and so you'll find out on this scale of 0 to 10 where you hit and sometimes you have too much of something and sometimes you have too little of something and that is causing anxiety around you. So let's say it's it's measuring aggression. You know, you need some aggression and it's and it's pretty it's it's pretty high on the scale because a leader or or somebody that's productive is going to charge stuff well, if you have too little of that, the people around you are like, are you ever going to deal with this thing that's obviously in front of you? If you have too much of it, people think, are you going to eat me? <laughs> so, so there is an anxiety tied to that one constraint, if it's too high or if it's too low. And there's yeah. 17 of those. And really what it is, it's measuring how your anxiety impacts your environment as a leader.
0: And and you begin to find that when you have low self-control and high need for change, you begin to recognize like, oh, this is why I'm getting into so much trouble.
1: You're a ping pong ball in a boxcar. Yeah. They just got you in there and you're all over the place. Yeah.
0: For all of these things, you know, the the disc, I think that Maxwell even... Does a bunch with the disc. We took some tests yeah. with him, but yeah. but you can you can get online, find out more about the disc, the strength finders, the love languages, um, and then the the constraint profile. Uh, the constraint profile. If I were you, I would start at. There's a book called The Flip Side, which is the top ten killer constraints, mm-hmm. and uh, it kind of lays it out and it kind of walks you through the stuff. It's actually really helpful. If you buy the strength finders, has a book called Strength Based Leadership. Uh, 2.0, I think maybe. But it's actually talking about that teams. It's talking about individuals, but then it's also talking about that teams. And they, they, they break the strengths up into four areas.
1: Executors, relationship building, um, influence, and strategic thinking. Yeah.
0: And so they're they're showing you one, like for me, the first time I took it, I didn't have one top five or top 10 in the relational category. <laughs> So, but but listen, I took it again recently, and I have one in there, so that's good news. But but even how you're forming teams, you're having to go look and go. Oh wow, we did this for our whole team and realized, okay, this is why we're in trouble. We have nobody with execution. (laughs) Like we have a whole bunch of eyes. We don't have we like like our team is not well balanced. So they said you don't have to be well balanced. Your team has to be well balanced.
1: Absolutely.
0: And that's the strength based leadership book. And then the love language is, of course, uh, Chapman has a book. Let me ask this real quick about the disc desk. And we'll end with this, Danny. But I think what happens when you begin to learn people and yourself, how you respond, what motivates you, what sucks the life out of you, you begin to get a lot more clarity on so you begin to realize that when I sit in an office all day long and have to do counseling sessions for eight hours in a row, I, 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 the life gets sucked out of me. When I'm able to, whatever, you, you kind of, you, you begin to learn also uh, how, an example for me would be, uh, so I would be an IDDI. And so I, I, like, I like change. I like new ideas. I like innovation. I like charging mountains. But, but what I was realizing was we weren't getting anything done because SCs just shriveled up and died in my world. <laughs> like they, 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 their needs were never met. They weren't seen. They weren't valued. And so I had to begin to go, wait, I really need SCs. Well, then that means that for an S, which one wouldn't like change or like just the change would stress them out? C's? So I need C's in my world, but I would come into a meeting and be like, all right, guys, I had an idea last night. Let's do it. And it would just cause the anxiety in the C's to rise. Like, wait, we had a plan. Did you just change the plan? Have we even talked about the plan? Have we thought through this plan? Have we done research? Like all this stuff is coming up. And when I was younger, I'd just be irritated by that. We're going yeah. somewhere. What's going on? But but very quickly found out we didn't get anywhere. <laughs> you know, and so what I, my point is this is I I stopped being frustrated with C's and started one really valuing what they bring. Two, recognizing they have needs. So when I just go into a room and just yell out, hey, guys, you know how we were going right? We're going left now, yeah. that, that I don't just do that. We talk. We give some information. We process. I bring them into the, you know, the, 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 the process that's going on because they have a need. They have a valid need. Like if I feel like I'm stuck, if I feel like this is what we're doing the rest of our life, I'm going to feel stressed. Can you just talk about that real quick? I'm sorry, I'm I'm actually just rambling on here, but can you process a little bit that when we understand this, we have grace for people in a way we didn't have grace before. We understand a little bit more why they're responding. We understand a little bit more what they need. We understand what motivates them, what scares them. Can you just
1: why is that so important? Uh, I think it's just it's it feels like you care. It it takes care to drive you to learn to understand. You know, most people, most people listen so they can talk, you know, and, uh, and, and you sent a big giant message when you didn't hear me. Yeah. And at the same time, when you walk in a room and you think everybody's like you, you didn't see me. And that feels like you don't care either. You know, so leaders have got to, uh, master the art of sending the message that you care.
0: Man, it's so good. I mean, I don't know. I think you go get a master's in leadership, and I'm not sure you would actually learn that. I, I mean, I'm saying that's a pretty broad, generic statement that I'm making, but I just don't know where they're actually teaching that stuff. to like, you need to communicate you
1: care. <laughs> Convincingly, too. Like, Like three times in a row, you know, because you can't just get it once. Right. Because if you don't get it twice... People think you made a mistake. If you don't get it three times, people think you don't care.
0: Yeah. Man, it's so interesting. I find for me, it's so much easier to have grace for people because you just recognize, oh, that response that you did that was maybe out of bounds, that was harsh, that was whatever else, this environment stresses you out. You you just have a go, like, there's so much change happening right now, you're not at your best. (laughs) Like, there's just some understanding. I think that'd be the Enneagram, too, at some level, but, you know, the one, understanding the one. And you're like, ah, I just, I understand a little bit more. Even though I'm not wired like you, I understand a little bit more why this is stressful, why you would respond that way, why you're not at your best right now. Um, So... Yeah, I love it. Danny. I sure appreciate you taking time uh, to jump on. Uh, Danny, they, you have something called Life Academy. Can you just very quickly uh, tell us um, uh, what that is? Because this is actually helping people.
1: Uh, lovingonpurpose.com and our, our Life Academy is is full of really, you know, teaching people how to send a message that they care. And then we have a podcast too called The Kylo Show. I love it. Yeah, uh, keep your love on, you know, so check there it you
0: out. go. livingonpurpose.com Kylo Show. Danny, thanks for joining us. Guys, thanks for jumping on. Make sure you check out World Vision, and we'll be back again.